History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday, a consequential Tuesday all across this country. A big snowstorm raging in the Northeast in New York on the day that voters are going to choose the replacement to the disgraced Congressman George Santos. We're going to have live, live coverage all night long on that. We should be watching that closely, but the weather could be a factor on turnout. That always plays havoc with strategies when, when a weather gets in the way of voting. So we're going to watch that closely tonight. And we're going to spend a big part of today's show talking about this vote tonight. The House Republicans are going to make a second stab at improving articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, the man who has presided over the in border insecurity that has troubled so many Americans now. It is clear in the polling that this is a national issue of grave importance. It doesn't matter whether you're living in Oregon or Florida, New York, Chicago, Arizona, or Texas. The border is a palpable crisis now. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. We've got a great show ahead of us. Congressman Jim Banks, they're going to be running for U.S. Senate in Indiana, just filed this candidacy last week. But one of the most influential members of the Republican caucus these days, he has been working on really important stuff involving China and Iran influence in America, really calling out the specifics and digging up important investigative stuff and getting it to the American public. That is a very important development. We're going to have him talk about that, plus how he's going to vote on Mayorkas and why most Republicans think that this time around with Majority Leader Steve Scalise able to vote. He was out on cancer treatment last week. They have the two extra votes they need to tip that vote in the other direction. Mayorkas could very well be impeached as of tonight. The articles of impeachment could be ahead of us. So we're looking for that. That's going to be a big moment in the race. And Jim Banks will be our first guest. We'll be talking about that at the top of the show. Then Rodney Scott, who served as the first Border Patrol chief 
under Alejandro Mayorkas. He's got a lot to say about Mayorkas's strategy, his honesty, his relationship with border agents, and his strategy along with President Biden on the border. That's going to be a really great interview. Rodney Scott, very respected law enforcement man, one of the good ones in the country. And then we're going to wrap up down in Texas, the Texas Land Commissioner, Dr. Dawn Buckingham. She's a medical doctor, anesthesiologist, if I recall correctly. She has used her power as land commissioner to make really important strides against the cartels, against illegal immigration, against the seizure of an island in the Rio Grande River called Fronton Island. It's about 170 acres wide and large. It was being used as a staging ground for illegal immigrations and the cartels and their their bad actors all throughout the period of time when George P. Bush was land commissioner in Texas. But Dr. Dawn Buckingham got in place, exercised her authority, worked with the governor, worked with the Texas Department of Public Safety, worked with the Texas Attorney General. And together, they cleared that island. It's now free of illegal immigrants. It's free of cartels. It's no longer used as a staging area to send people across the Rio Grande to come into this country illegally. Dr. Dawn Buckingham is going to be here in a little bit to wrap us up and tell us how she achieved that. It's a really quite an amazing Quite an amazing moment. And Commissioner Buckingham, she'll have a lot to say also about Mayorkas' impeachment vote. The people of Texas are watching for accountability. Tonight might be the first night that they get it. So very important conversation to be had today. So that's our show. Now, before we turn to that, let me get you up to speed on a few more headlines. because A lot of big things have happened. I already told you about Santos. I told you about the Mayorkas impeachment vote tonight. Those are two big ones. Carrie Lake got the endorsement of the Senate Republican campaign arm, the National Republican Senatorial Committee. That is a big deal. Remember, they were cool to her in past elections, but President Trump, Senator Daines, who runs the NRCC, got together. They got their, they're putting their muscle behind Lake. That's going to be a big opportunity to pick up a Democrat seat for Republicans in the 2024 election. Carrie Lake getting a big endorsement. You don't want to miss that. Tony Bobolinsky, yep, the, one of the important business partners, one of their most vocal business partners of Hunter Biden. On the griddle today, talking before Congress, we're going to be watching that. We're going to have Congressman James Comer, the chairman of House Oversight, guy leading the questioning of Bobolinsky today. He's going to join us in a little bit. That's a pretty important moment as well. And then I want to finish this opening segment with some journalism I committed in the last 24 hours with the help of the Oversight and Judiciary Committees in Congress. We got a copy of the transcribed interview of Robinson Rob Walker. Rob Walker is his name. One of the key business partners in the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden world. He was deeply involved in the CEFC China deal that scored millions for the Biden family. The work began helping CFC China try to maybe get U.S. energy assets while Joe Biden was still vice president. The payments got deferred until after Joe Biden left the White House in 2017. And by the way, the first $3 million payment, according to Rob Walker, was paid a couple days after Joe Biden sat and met this is very important, sat and met with the chairman of the company, Yi Jiming, and others. So the here's this company, Yi Jiming, according to James Biden, the brother of President Joe Biden, saying that they thought Jiming Yi was tied to the president of China, the communist leader of China. Well, all that occurs, right? And Joe Biden sits with him for about 10, 15 minutes at the Four Seasons Hotel in Washington, and boom, voila, after that, guess what? Ah, yep. 
$3 million flows into Rob Walker's account. A million of that goes to Hunter. Hunter divvies it up, giving instructions to Rob Walker to send it to different family members, and the million gets dispersed. That's the beginning of several million dollars that flows from this Chinese company into the Hunter Biden business world in 2017. So what is important about that? I think there are two things. And I think when you read the Rob Walker testimony, which I posted, when you read my story, you're going to come up with this. The Biden family name was key. It was key. It was essential for Hunter Biden and his business partners to score this Chinese energy deal with CEFC China. Some of those CEFC China members have been arrested in China. One of them has been arrested and convicted of illegal activity in the United States. A guy named Patrick Combe, very close to Hunter Biden in this event. The name is so key that they have to, when they're trying to get the deal started in 15 and 16, there's a letter written in Hunter Biden's name to the communist country's energy company in Hunter Biden's on his stationery. And when they're trying to get that first check in, Joe Biden is there at the Four Seasons trying to close the deal. Why is that important? Now, he doesn't, you know, he's not getting involved with the tricky track of the money. He's just glad handing to let people, hey, this is my company. Don't mess around with me. Former vice president could be president one day. He seals the deal. And there's not any doubt that there was a level of influence that the Biden family and Joe Biden himself gave to this operation. And as a result, CEFC pays millions to Joe Biden's family and others around them. And really, the Biden family doesn't deliver much. That's one of the things we learned from earlier transcripts. So a lot of money for nothing. But now the Biden family is beholden to a energy company in the communist Chinese adversary that China is to the United States. Those are really important, really, really important developments. And we've got all of that for you in a story entitled Hunter Biden Friend Tells Congress How First Family's Name, the Biden Family's Name, Scored Chinese Deal Worth Millions. Pretty important story about Rob Walker. Hope you enjoy that. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana, got to be running for Senate. A lot of people think he'll be the next U.S. Senator from Indiana, but he's got some important stuff on China, on Hunter Biden and the Biden family, on impeachment of Mayorkas and Joe Biden, and also some amazing stuff he's been doing on Iran's influence agents inside the United States, people he thinks are influence agents. We're going to get all of that at the top of the show right after these messages. Congressman Jim Banks right around the corner. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition 
the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Whether it's on the border or the infiltration of Chinese interests in America or Iran's efforts to influence our country through foreign agents, our next guest is on the front lines. He does great investigative work. He does great oversight work. And then he turns that into legislative solutions that can make this country better. Joining us right now from the great state of Indiana, Congressman Jim Banks. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, great to be back. Thanks for having me. We love having you on. Every time we have you on, we learn something new. And I've been really watching closely the work you're doing with the committees and the effort of China to influence this country and its reach into our country even touches the Super Bowl. You and some other lawmakers were trying to get Paramount to drop the Super Bowl ads from one of these Chinese companies. Tell us a little bit about that effort and why it concerned you. Well, and unfortunately, they they didn't they didn't drop the the Super Bowl commercial from Timu. Um, it was an expensive commercial, and we already know that the NFL is uh, deeply entangled with the Chinese Communist Party and and Chinese uh, financial interests. But in this case, Paramount accepting the money from a a, a company that that has close ties to our biggest adversary, our biggest enemy, the CCP. So we we at the end of the day, I didn't expect Paramount. I I, I hope Paramount. Would uh, would look into it and realize that Timu uses um, uses Uyghur slave labor uh, to produce their products. Maybe they would think better of it and drop the commercial. But I, I'm not that naive. Uh, I know that they like the, mon- the, the money, the, the, yeah. the dollars more than <laughs> than uh, the the moral morally right thing to do, John. But um, at the end of the day, I just want to expose it. I want I want the American people to know that that, that what this company is, who they are, how they make their products, and that they are tied to our biggest enemy. And I'm, I'm glad that we got some people's attention and we're going to continue to push it. Oh, no doubt. I think it really was a lot of discussion over the weekend. And a lot of people I don't even think know about the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. But that's one of the things here. Timo doesn't seem, according to one of the select committees, the Chinese Communist Party Select Committee, they don't seem to have any way to make sure they're complying with that. That was really at the heart of this dispute, right? That's right. And, we, you know, we passed the... Uh, the, the Uyghur slave labor bill to uh, try to crack down on U.S. companies like Nike and other companies that are using slave labor, a- Apple and and uh, on the iPhones and 
and, and companies like Timu to, to try to crack down on them and sanction these companies that use slave labor. But, but you're right. I mean, the bill lacks enforcement. It lacks um, it, it's not stringent enough. And these companies have found uh, ways to go around the sanctions. So I serve on that committee, uh, the, the select committee on China, and we've made strong recommendations for bills that we can pass. I know, John, you're not probably not surprised like about this, but Democrats, uh, even though it's a bipartisan committee and Democrats on the committee support efforts to strengthen the bill, it's the Democrat Party at large that blocks us from doing uh, the the real work necessary to crack down on our biggest adversary. And you can't get a you can't get a a big group of uh, Democrats in the House to to pass uh, bills to do that. So we're going to keep pushing and drawing attention to the Super Bowl ad is just one way I think that can help build the movement toward doing that. Yeah, it was definitely a great education moment and well executed because a lot of people were talking about it. Even in my family, we were talking about it on Winkle. What's this Timo group? And you get a you get a great sense. So it definitely it, it sunk into the public consciousness in a big way. I want to stay on Democrats in China for a second. Uh, overnight, we had a story uh, that um, Rob Walker, one of the Biden family friends, said, "Hey, Joe Biden clearly met with the Chinese." And then they coughed up the money a couple of days later. We used Joe uh, Hunter Biden's name to write the letter to open up this Chinese interest, which was basically trying to buy up U.S. energy assets for communist China. Uh, When the leader of the party, Joe Biden, has that record of uh, trying to generate millions with his family from a communist um, adversary of ours. And you see him just a couple of days ago going up on TikTok with his campaign, even though the entire intelligence world has told us that TikTok is a tool of the Chinese government. Does it undercut uh, the moral authority of the presidency and also these efforts to do the right thing by China? Yeah, with, without a doubt. I mean, we went from the toughest president of my lifetime and Donald Trump on, on China. I mean, he's the only president in my lifetime, Republican or Democrat, who named China as a direct threat to the American way of life, uh, as an adversary to the United States of America. He, one of the first things that Donald Trump did when he came into office was he instructed the rewriting of the national security strategy to name great power competition uh, as our uh, China and Russia as our, our, our near peer adversaries that we should build the military and, and train the military around uh, deterring uh, those two enemies rather than where the military was stuck before their head in the sand in the Middle East and other places without without a large focus on China. So we went from that. The only president of my lifetime who was tough on China, Donald Trump, to the the weakest president that we've ever had against the Chinese Communist Party. And we know that one of the reasons he's weak is because his family is deeply entangled in bribes and financial interests that they took directly from the Chinese Communist Party. And this is why we have to impeach him. I mean, I'm, I believe it's long past time to impeach Joe Biden, the most corrupt president, the most corrupt family that's ever lived in the White House. And one of the big reasons why is because of these, the, these uh, continued uh, uh, examples and stories that are, that are uh, substantiated that shows that this family is in bed with our biggest enemy. And that, that to me, that is impeachable. So more evidence that you've uncovered with your great work um, to, to prove that. But uh, the, the clock is ticking. And I, I think it's important. You know, I know, I know we're going to talk in a moment about impeaching Mayorkas, but it's important to impeach Joe Biden because no future president can ever look back and say he got away with it. So I might be able to get away with it, too. And I, I, I think that's why Republicans have a moral duty in this Congress 
to impeach the most corrupt president that we've ever had in American history. These are big moments and two big issues. Uh, Mayorkas, you mentioned uh, round two, another effort to get it passed tonight. Do you feel good about its passage? And knowing that the Senate's going to put it in a box, there's still a very important message the House wants to send. What do you think that, how this plays out tonight and into the next few weeks? Well, I don't think anybody changed their mind uh, since last week. So every Republican who voted to impeach last week will vote again tonight, I believe, uh, is what I expect. We'll all vote again to impeach him. But the game changer is that Steve Scalise, our majority leader, who's been home uh, uh, with undergoing cancer treatments, is coming back to Washington, D.C. today for this important vote. And it's it's important, John, even though you're, you're right. I mean, I, I don't expect the Senate to remove Secretary Mayorkas, but the Senate uh, has to uh, they're they're mandated to uh, go through a, he- a public hearing process and talk about the facts. And you remember, they did this twice uh, wrongly, uh, 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 fa- falsely to uh, Donald Trump. But the facts in this case are actually, tr- I mean, the, 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 all of the evidence is actually true. I mean, what, what Secretary Mayorkas has done to circumvent the rule of law, to open our borders wide open and flood this country with, with 10 million illegals, all of the fentanyl and drugs and crime coming across our border, and then misusing U.S. taxpayer dollars that are supposed to go toward disaster relief, relief and other things and using that money instead to support the illegals who are coming over the border. These are impeachable offenses and, and something that a trial in the Senate, I think it would be very embarrassing, even if you're a left-wing liberal Democrat, radical Democrat, how do you explain that you don't impeach a guy who is who is destroying this country? The same goes for Joe Biden. I, and, and I, I want to make this case very clear, too. We're, I, I hope we'll impeach Secretary Mayorkas tonight, but the buck stops with Joe Biden. And and all of the reasons that you're impeaching Secretary Mayorkas are doubly important to impeach Joe Biden. The border, the corruption, uh, what what this president has done. Uh, he's he, he's obviously not uh, competent enough to be the commander in chief, the president of the United States. But all of this lifetime uh, e- evidence of corruption and what he's done to destroy this country are are very much impeachable. And I think it's incumbent upon us to move forward with that as fast as we can. Yeah. And could you imagine the impeachment articles if we get to that with President Biden, including one article involving the border and the the loss of security in this country? Is that a possibility? It's got to. I mean, my, in my opinion, it's got to. I mean, I'm, I'm glad uh, if there's ever the right guy in the right place at the right time. It's Chairman Jim Jordan of the Judiciary Committee. I have no doubt that he that when, when we get to the articles of impeachment, the, the border has to be one of the one of the main articles on top of the corruption, on top of everything else that's this uh, administration has done uh, to abuse their power, to abuse uh, the privileges of being president, to cover up Hunter Biden's crimes and to use the FBI, to politicize the FBI. I mean, there are many reasons to impeach him, but for me, the border is at the top of the list. Yeah, I think that's something that people aren't ready for, but that's going to be the big pivot and a very important part of the next phase of impeachment. I think it's going to be great. I know you're real busy. I want to turn to one other great piece of work. You are doing such important oversight on so many different fronts, but there is uh, a lot of concern about um, a company called International Crisis Group and its relationship uh, with Iran and its proxies around the country. Uh, you and other members of Congress, uh, Elise Stefanik, Congressman Waltz, others all wrote uh, Attorney General Garland. Can you tell us a little bit about what concerns you about International Crisis Group and its ties to Iran? 
Yeah, the more the more we learn about this, the crazier it gets. I mean, the crisis, the international crisis group was was led by Rob Malley, who Biden made the special envoy to Iran at the beginning of the administration. He lost his security clearance. Uh, a lot of it's mysterious. We don't know all of the facts, but he led this uh, this think tank in Brussels, and we now know that they had they had direct ties to the Iranian government and. That's obviously concerning. Why did Joe Biden appoint that guy to be the special envoy to Iran? Remember, at the same time that the Biden administration, they they, they swooped in uh, when he took over from President Trump. He immediately went back to the Obama posture of negotiating a new Iran deal, giving giving uh, money and and uh, rolling over for the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And they had, they had Rob Malley doing a lot of the work. Uh, to do that. So I want to know, uh, Stefanik and Waltz and I wrote this letter because we, we want to know, we want the, we want the Department of Justice, we want um, Attorney General, uh, the Attorney General to look into whether or not there were crimes uh, committed by a government official who had direct ties with, with an adversary. At the, uh, an adversary, by the way, at this, at this moment, who is directly responsible for not just attacks on our most important ally, that being Israel, but attacks through their proxy groups on American soldiers, uh, the deaths of American soldiers at their hands. So there, there's so much more here to uncover that we were just beginning to uh, peel back the layers of, of what I think is an explosive story about another another scandal in the Biden administration. But um, but we're pushing for these answers. But, John, I just I just read before we we uh, began to re- to uh, record this uh, podcast that Biden is blaming Republicans um, saying, saying that we are supporting Iran if we don't move forward with this ridiculous boondoggle uh, foreign aid spending bill that completely betrays the United States of America by giving money to Ukraine and and to Israel, which is important. But the big, the bulk of that um, hundred billion dollar plus aid aid package is going to Ukraine, some to Israel. None of it goes to secure the border of the United States of America, which is what we've all been saying. No more money for Ukraine until we secure our own border first. And Joe Biden has the audacity to say the Republicans are supporting Iran if we vote against it. It's just more more uh, flip flop foolishness uh, from the uh, the worst president that we've ever had. Yeah, and you see the poll. People don't buy it in the polls anymore. They're 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 keen. They figured out what the facts are because the Republicans have done a good job getting those facts out. One last question, because it was a big moment last week. You officially filed for U.S. Senate race. The Indiana GOP long endorsed you for that big race ahead. This is an important seat. Uh, what should we be looking for? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I've been in the House for I'm in my fourth term. I've been a leader on a lot of the issues that we've talked about. And I get mad at um I get I get I get disappointed with Democrats, John, but I get so mad at Republicans in the Senate who go along to get along with the Democrats to negotiate the decline of this country. I served I served my country in uniform. I served in Afghanistan with the United States Navy. I love America. I've lived the American dream as the son of a factory worker and a nursing home cook. And I'm, I'm I, I just can't if I can do more for my country and for my state of Indiana. By running for the United States Senate, that's that's what I'm doing. So last week we filed. We we got a Democrat running against me in the Republican primary. He sued the state of Indiana to get his name on the ballot. He's a lifelong Democrat voter. Uh, Indiana is a red state, and uh, Indiana is a conservative state. Deserves a conservative fighter. So th- this fella thinks he uh, he knows he can't win as a Democrat. 
uh, even though he's voted Democrat all of his life. So he's running against me in the Republican primary. But he is a self-funder. He's already spent $4 million out of his own pocket. I expect him to spend a lot more over the next 12 weeks, but we're going to expose him for who he is. He's, he plays for the other team. He he doesn't support the America first agenda of, um, of of the Republican Party of Donald Trump and the and the fight that we've been a part of over these last uh, several years to get our country back on track. Yeah, well, that's your record is unequivocal on that. And I think a lot of people are excited. I've, I've heard a lot of enthusiasm all across Indiana when I talk to folks about your candidacy and what lies ahead in Indiana. We'll be watching that really closely. Sir, it's a great honor always to have you on. We always learn so much that whether China, Iran, the border, we're uh, we're, we're getting well-educated because of the great oversight work you do today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a good day. He was here as well. Thank you. Folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Rodney Scott, the first Border Patrol chief that served under Alejandro Mayorkas. He's got a lot to say, and you're going to want to hear what he says about the impeachment, why he thinks it's important to the men and women of the Border Patrol that Mayorkas be impeached tonight. We'll have that after these messages. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule, that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store. Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break on the eve of the second attempt to pass impeachment articles against Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary. I want to stay on the subject of the border and with people who have a frontline vantage point to it. Our next guest served three decades in the Customs and Border Protection Agency. He finished as its 24th chief of the U.S. 
Border Patrol, one of the highest, the highest rank that you can achieve in the uniform division of CBP. He is Rodney Scott, and he joins us right now. Sir, good to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. For a long time, both in uniform and since you left uniform, you have been, I think, a clearing voice about what was going on at the border, what the intentions of the two political parties are. We're at this extraordinary moment tonight. There'll be a second effort and a belief that maybe this impeachment articles will pass. For the people you served alongside of in the Border Patrol, what is tonight's vote going to say to them? Whichever way it goes, what's the message that the men and women, past and present, of the Border Patrol can take from tonight's vote? Well, I I hope what they take away from it is that integrity matters and that actually fulfilling the duties that you swore you would uphold matter. And when any government official, regardless of party, doesn't do it, uh, we hold them accountable. Uh, As you started out, though, you know, uh, society is just so divided today. Sometimes facts and evidence seem to be irrelevant. Um, It's really disappointing the last vote, not a single Democrat, even Democrats right along the southwest border that actually see it. They have a front row seat to what's going on. They know it's intentional. Um, Didn't do what was right for America. Uh, Hopefully tonight they push it over uh, over the finish line. It is a very powerful memory for me as a journalist covering this and, and also getting a chance to interview the photographer to find out that this story was not true. But it was at the end of your tenure, Border Patrol Chief, that Alejandro Mayorkas leaned into the false allegation that somehow Border Patrol agents were whipping migrants coming across the river. We knew it wasn't true because we talked to the photographer. That's not what my photos captured. But two or three years later, as we look at this, the idea that a Homeland Security Secretary would knowingly and willfully distort the truth to create a political outcome and, and throw good men and women of the Border Patrol under the bus at that moment. Is that something that you want lawmakers tonight when they cast their vote to remember? I do want them to remember that. And, and and again, I was not a political, I was a career, but I'd like to back that train up a little bit to right when my orchestra shortly after he was confirmed. And this is stuff that I've actually testified to, to the Judiciary Committee um, on numerous uh, numerous occasions. But I'm like, he, he started misleading America and doing what he wanted long before. So where we our first clash was when he went on national television and said the border was secure. And I asked, like, by, I, and I had just given him reports that showed thousands of gotaways a day. Large sections of border weren't being patrolled. Um, and it wasn't nearly the numbers we have now. And basically the response from his staff was, well, we thought you would like hearing him say that. And I'm like, I like hearing him tell the truth. And if it was true, that'd be great. Then the next thing he wanted to tell America, he went actually out and told America that we were testing all these illegal aliens for COVID before they were being released. When we did not have anything in place to do that, they had a plan. They were going to try to bring in non-governmental organizations to do it. But that wasn't even in place yet. It wasn't working, right? Yeah. Well, it wasn't even in place. And then he left out the fact that there's no authority to force them to get tested or to get it vaccinated. That, like that was a purely voluntary process. But anyway, he was misleading America from day one. Uh, I think the culmination was the, the culmination for America probably was the, the, the alleged whipping from the horse patrol in Del Rio. But here's the thing. He knew that day it wasn't true. He, he wasn't like the rest of America was just going off the news and the, and the photos that could be misinterpreted however they wanted. The journalists hadn't come out yet publicly and, and said, no, that is not what happened. But 
basically the secretary was there and he knew because he knew behind the scenes that the, the photographer had said, hey, that isn't what happened. Um, and he still lied to America for political reasons, not for anything else. Um, I think the guy needs to be impeached. We've never, ever had a secretary of Homeland Security that fought so hard to keep the borders open and to trash the morale of law enforcement uh, as this guy. And we've come to expect that, you know, Americans expect their top officials to tell them the truth. Whatever the truth is, give us the facts. But truth has been an evasive and if not unattainable thing from the Mayorkas administration for a long time now. I want to go to the second act that has occurred in Congress, which is a few weeks ago, a Senate border bill, if we can call it that, was attempted. It failed because of the contents of what was there. And now they've just passed a foreign aid bill cutting out all of the border provisions. I want to get your assessment as someone who worked to keep the border closed, to keep it safe, to be secure, what the Senate bill would have done, what message it sent to the men and women of the Border Patrol. And now that that it's been uh, that all border provisions have been excised from it, what message the Senate has sent to those on the front lines of the border? Yeah. So, again, we kind of have to back up to tell the whole story before we get to that point. So the House, everybody forgets, the House worked in a very transparent and collaborative manner and created H.R. 2. H.R. 2 was the best, strongest border security bill uh, that we'd ever seen. It was actually coordinated across multiple different uh, organizations with border security experience. I helped participate in that. Congress reached out to a lot of people to get input. That has been sitting on the Senate floor for seven months. They refused to even look at it, touch it, debate it, do anything with it. So that's really where this started. Then all of a sudden this supplemental, and please make sure people remember this, basically the only reason that there's a there was a bill in the Senate was because they want more money. So there was a supplemental push for the Ukraine, Israel, and then basically the Republicans said, hey, we need to secure our own borders. We're not even going to touch that unless you can actually do something with, with our borders. Here's H.R. 2. Now, back to what you talked about. So the Senate negotiated, they still ignored H.R. 2. The Senate, in total secrecy, both sides, sat and they coordinated this quote-unquote border act to go inside of this supplemental appropriations bill. I kept my mouth shut until I actually read the bill. A lot of people were speaking out based on rumors and everything else. Like what you mentioned a minute ago, I believe, and I told the senators involved, I talked to them towards the end, and I told them I would reserve judgment until I read it. Well, I read the entire thing, and there were a couple of provisions in there that on face value sounded good changing the threshold for asylum, weeding more people out at the front sounded good. And then they threw some money at detention. That sounded good. And then they came up with this new border authority. Ignore the numbers for a minute, but basically at a certain level, they chose 5,000. The president would have the authority to shut down the border. That's all they talked about publicly, but you need to read the bill. And they said it ended catch and release. But if you read the bill, I don't remember the exact page numbers, not at all. It actually mandated an entire class of aliens to be released and given work authorization. It did not even touch the Flores Agreement, which for those that don't understand that, it's a court order about uh, originally unaccompanied juveniles by themselves. Then it was later expanded to be any juveniles, including in a family. It mandates their release. What that has done is put like afterburners on the child trafficking. It's horrible. That, that So the Senate bill didn't even touch on any of that. It did not protect kids in any way. 
And then that, that they called it break glass border authority, shut down the border authority. Way in the end, I think it's like page 220-something, the little paragraph said it sunsets in three years. So you cut all the horrible provisions of the bill forever, but the actual new authority that would actually give the president the ability to just shut down the border, that goes away in three years, disappears. No one's talking about that. It would have made the situation at the border worse, in your mind? It would have made the border the situation at the border worse. It would have locked in uh, some provisions that, that it would actually, another one, it would have locked in a minimum, and it stated minimum, of 1,400 illegal aliens allowed to come through ports of entry uh, every single day. So they argue that it would it would help clear up the backlog of immigration cases. That's not true. It's going to add 1,400 a day to the already several million backlog. So you can't just, unfortunately, we don't have line item authority. So you either have to endorse and pass the whole bill or you vote no on the whole bill. And the more senators that actually read the whole thing, uh, they actually were like, oh, there's just way too much baggage in this. Um, we actually need to do something to secure the border now. And by the way, President Biden completely destroyed border security with the stroke of the pen. We could get back to that baseline if he just put the programs we had in place at the end of the Trump administration back in place. All the other provisions in this bill were were nice to have. They were add-ons. They would be nice. But literally, he could clean up 80 percent of what's going on on the border with the stroke of a pen today through executive action. He just refuses to do it. Yeah, that's the great illusion that the media doesn't want to tell the American public. But is that when we tell them, but obviously not, not the, the legacy media. But one executive order could reverse us and take us right back to the summer and fall of 2020, where things were in a pretty good spot. I want to ask about three dynamics. One is the growth of the number of people on the terrorist watch list are showing up at both borders. There was an Afghan gentleman apparently on the list, got stopped over the weekend. When you look a little bit, what my sources tell me, in his interview, he acknowledged how the cartels took some of his money in order to get him here, but basically was trafficked by the Colombian cartels to the United States. The numbers are really, really high for people on the list. And those are the ones we're catching. Is a blinking red light of alert warranted with this dynamic? I'm thinking fireworks, flares, more than a blinking red light. So <laughs> yes. Go when I retired, yeah, when I retired in August of uh, 2021, shortly thereafter, I actually wrote a letter, an open letter to the oversight committees, both in the House and the Senate and the leadership of both. And this is one of the many topics that I highlighted. I was very concerned the direction the border was going. I predicted kind of everything's going to happen today. Not because I'm a genius, just because it's fact. It's just common sense. But we were up to 12. We had just hit 12 people identified coming in between the ports of entry that were on the, the national terrorist watch list. And that was freaking me out because the most and the, we're only partway through the year and the most we'd ever had in a full year between the ports of entry before was six. And we had years there were none. That is a huge, huge, huge threat. And again, remember, back then, even when I retired, although the numbers were going up, we still did not see the, you know, the six, seven, eight thousand a day. What happens when Border Patrol encounters that many people a day is it's total triage. So interview, in-depth interviews start to be a, a nicety, nicety, and they're gone. They're literally gone. So unless the person's uh, alert hits when they fingerprint them, there's no, or an agent is just like, forget it. I'm going to let this line back up all the way to, to Kuyakan or whatever. Um, they're not going to do the interviews. So the ones that we're seeing now, which I think we're over 300 now, um, those are people, those are knowns. 
That means that somewhere in the world, we got intel on these people. Somehow we got their prints and got them into a system. I just want your listeners to understand what an anomaly that is. That if you think that we have intel on every terrorist in the world, you're naive, or even every criminal. So when we run record, when Border Patrol runs records checks on these people, it's really only it's only bouncing off of American databases. And at the terrorist level, some you know intel agency or some other country had to share information with us willingly. Um, we're not talking about the 1.8 million documented gotaways that Border Patrol has seen under the Biden administration. That means they've seen people cross, but they're totally out of agents to respond. 1.8 million. Hey, guess what we do know about the 1.8 million? They're not asylum seekers or they would have waited. They would have stayed standing right there and waited in line. They could have just come through the normal entry point. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would have got a free plane ticket to wherever they wanted to go. Hotel. They'd be in New York City, you know, sucking up their tax dollars. No, that's 1.8 million people that they think we might know something about them that basically did everything they could to get away. How many more terrorists are in there? And please know that's not all the gotaways. Those are just the ones that were seen. Yeah. That's so important. So very important. Another one is the explosion, and it is an explosion. I think it's like a couple hundred a year to 24,000 plus of military age Chinese nationals coming, men coming across the border. You don't leave China unless the government lets you leave China. So what do you think is the dynamic? What is China trying to position here? And how alarming is this alongside of the terrorist threats? Again, it's extremely alarming. People in this country don't want to admit it, but um, China is an adversary, whether it be on the economic side or the world power. And again, don't take my word for it. Just go do a little bit of reading of what the Chinese leadership actually puts out there, what they write, their Belt and Road Initiative to try to expand around the entire globe. It's a significant threat. And like you just stated, unlike any other country, you get permission to leave. So there's, you know, you might get a family that sneaks out now and then that we'd find at the border or somebody that's trying to escape communism, a Christian or whatever. But the numbers that we're seeing now, this is clearly a systematic approach to infiltrate America. And it's alongside of their initiative to basically flood America with fentanyl and basically kill our younger generation, because the whole fentanyl flow is precursors from China, very intentionally to Mexico. The cartel is bringing them into the United States. And that's a two pronged. There's much more, but that just we just talked about two prongs of the Chinese attack on America. And then we just smile and take it and act like they're, you know, some kind of asylum seekers or something. Yeah. And tens of thousands of young Americans gone in the midst of that. It's just the numbers are so staggering. There's been a lot of pot factories being opened up, particularly in Maine. There was a big Homeland Security warning about Maine marijuana factories, but they're all connected to the Chinese. Is this part of an effort to get lower level drugs in the system to get people moving towards higher grade drugs that eventually become fentanyl? I believe it is. And it's actually a bigger part. The Chinese have really taken over the entire money laundering. They basically kind of undercut on the global uh, global stage. A lot of the other cartel organizations and countries that were helping narcotic smugglers uh, basically launder money. So uh, I actually live in Oklahoma now, and there's a huge problem with the domestic marijuana grows there that basically they're shipping people directly from China over. There some legal, some not, right? But they're buying up property around the entire country, not just uh, in Maine, not just in Oklahoma, and they're buying homes and they're creating these marijuana grows, but they're using a lot of it. Then they're buying houses, they launder the money, they flip the money, and it's all part of a bigger scheme. But guess what is nowhere on their objective list? 
make America great again, right? This isn't about America. This isn't, this is all about sucking everything they can out of America to make China better and to run America down so that they can win basically this proxy war, if you will. Um, but we don't talk about that either, but it's a serious threat and it all overlaps. Yeah, no, there's no doubt that it does. And it's, it's just the Chinese are strategic of nothing else. They're strategic. And th these aren't accidents. All of these things that are happening through our border. I want to talk a little bit about the traditional crime, which is the third sort of prong of the crisis that Joe Biden has brought. There are so many criminals coming across the borders. Some of them, if we do have a background, we learn they were in prison. They've, they've got their normal thing. And there's murder, child sex convictions, all these really heinous criminals. These are not the best of countries coming our way. Uh, a lot of them have significant felony convictions in their background before they get here. And some of them now committing heinous crimes once they get on USO because they don't suddenly reform themselves. They continue in their criminal ways. How troubling and how big a flow are really felonious immigrants into coming into the country right now? So just statistically, it's a huge threat. Think about last December, 300,000 illegal aliens were encountered by U.S. Border Patrol in a month, just a month. So just statistically, you're going to have a very hot, you're going to have a lot of criminals mixed in there. Now, I'm not one that says every illegal alien crossing into the country is a mass murderer or a rapist or whatever else, right? Some people just looked and said, hey, the borders are wide open. Biden's saying come. Other people are saying no. We'll give it a shot, right? But here's the thing. No, everybody needs to remember. Their very first act is to violate a law of the United States when they step across the border in between the ports of entry illegally. What does that really mean? Well, they just they knowingly cut in front of millions of people in line that are waiting to get into this country legally. Plus, they violated the law literally to cross in between the ports of entry. So they're pre and then now they've got to get a false identity in many cases. So they're going to buy fraudulent uh, identity cards. Or they're going to basically get fake work authorization cards because this whole talk about, oh, they can't work. Well, they're not legally supposed to work, but they weren't legally supposed to come here either. So do you really think they care? There, there, there's just this dominoes that start taking place. And it's like anything else. Think of it as like rust. It just, it starts small and then it corrodes because once you've violated a couple of laws, it makes it easier for you to just say, well, this isn't that much different. How am I going to survive if I don't do this and this? Now, on top of that, countries like Venezuela and Cuba have leveraged the immigration system in the U.S. for years to get rid of their worst. Venezuela emptied a bunch of their jails. A lot of the people that are going to come up through Mexico to come to the United States, even younger adults to a certain extent, they aren't exactly the kid next door, right? Like there's a lot of great people, great families in Guatemala, Honduras, Syria, Afghanistan. But that 18-year-old or that 16-year-old that decides to travel across the world and come to the U.S. isn't usually that kid. That's just, that's just not how it works. So that, it worries me tremendously and also by the way the culture is different just and no one wants to admit that a lot of latin american countries whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not bribery is like an, it's automatic like if a cop pulls you over or anything like that you're supposed to just give him 20 bucks type of a deal that culture is so different that it literally clashes with the culture here in the united states and there and that kind of culture accepts a level of crime that we haven't traditionally accepted here but I think if you look at New York, Chicago, Denver, LA, you're seeing the results now. Those four guys, well, now it looks like about 10 guys that beat up the NYPD and flipped off the cameras. 
that's not every single illegal alien, but holy cow, that's some of them. And I think that's enough. There's anyway, I'm rambling, but there's nothing, nothing bad about a secure border asking people to come through our front door. But everything we're doing today is just literally opening our gates to to the world's and who knows what their uh, what their motives are yeah i think that's uh one of the problems we don't know the motives we, we've flooded the system so much that we can't separate the wheat from the chaff and and do it in a way that protects american security or creates a sense of fairness you said something very important a lot of people that are trying to come to this country the legal manner and all of these millions have now jumped the fence ahead of them and it sends a bad message to the rest of the world that there's a cheater's way to get into the country now. I follow the normal way. There's going to be a lot that happens. Maybe the impeachment articles will get passed, but the Senate's not going to take them up or do anything serious about it. HR2 doesn't look like it's going to get the traction it needs until there's an election. What do the next several months of the border crisis look like? And how important is it for anyone listening, thinking I'm going to vote in the November election? How important a motive is the border crisis for people voting in November? I hope it's one of their top issues because, as I mentioned uh, in some other conversations, the two things that worry me the most about this country is the death of true journalism, which is the ability to just get facts and evidence to figure out what really truly is going on so you vote as an informed American, and then securing our borders because you literally can't have a nation if you don't have borders. It's just like your home, right? We just expect people to come through our front door, and if they don't come through the front door, then we're going to do whatever we can to stop them. But I got to go back up. You touched on something very, very important. The Border Patrol was getting better and better security along our borders, and that was translating into more in-depth interviews of individuals to figure out their motive before this administration took over. That massive wave that we're dealing with now prevents those interviews from going on. So we have no idea. And the Border Patrol, unfortunately, because of the Biden administration's policies, are releasing about 80 percent of the people they come in contact with. That worries me tremendously. And I think politics should be irrelevant. There was a Democrat senator from Pennsylvania recently that hit the nail on the head. He's like, I don't understand why border security is political. Over my career, the first president that took a really, really serious step on locking down the border, created Operation Gatekeeper in San Diego, and really made that area safe. And businesses came in, housing developments came in. That was Bill Clinton. There was never there was never an administration during my entire time in the Border Patrol where border security went backwards until Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas. And I remind everybody, please don't listen to me. Please go back and watch the video. They campaigned on this. They told America what they were going to do. They told America they were going to invite the world. They were going to make it easier to get into the country. They're going to create all these new un- illegal pathways. And that's exactly what they did. So please don't I ask every one of your listeners, have rational, polite conversations with your friends and family that don't necessarily know what's going on and use those videos and stuff from the past to make sure they know if you don't vote for a president in this next election that actually supports border security, this might be done and over because we can't sustain three million different cultures being, coming across that border um, every year. It just even New York and Chicago, these sanctuary cities are screaming like this isn't what we had in mind. You know, they need help. The only way we're going to get that help is if people vote right in November. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned Bill Clinton. I covered his 1995 State of the Union address where he made a very clear declaration. We are a nation of immigrants. 
But first, we're a nation of laws, and illegal immigration vexes our taxpayers. It vexes the security. He laid it out perfectly today. That speech would be booed off of the Democratic caucus of the floor. But it wasn't that long ago when Bill Clinton gave that compelling a speech. I actually covered it at the Associated Press. I have very clear memories of it, wrote about it recently. It's, it's pretty remarkable how quickly they've changed. It, and, and words matter, by the way. Thank you for bringing that up. I'll maybe end on this, but words really matter. And the left years ago started pushing hard that you couldn't say anyone was illegal. And I think now looking back, this was a strategy. All of a sudden they looped all immigrants into the same bucket. And that is not true. You do a huge, we do a huge disservice to legal immigration when you lump in these people that are cutting in line, have no respect for the rules that basically come in illegally. You've got to separate out the two. The United States Border Patrol used to be part of the Immigration Naturalization Service before DHS was formed. And we were taught from day one, one of the things we're doing is protecting the United States' legal immigration system so that we can actually help people that really do need asylum. And we can still be that beacon. But if the immigration system gets destroyed, then you can't help anybody. And that's kind of where we've come today because people stopped differentiating between legal and illegal. You got to bring it back. You're right. I remember that effort to change the AP style book from illegal alien to illegal immigrant, legal immigrant to undocumented worker and then undocumented worker to dreamer. And there was clearly an effort to hijack the language. Now it's just non-citizen. That's right. Non-citizen. That's it. That's the final evolution. You're right. Yeah. Now it's just non-citizen. Well, Chief Scott, I think everybody who has seen your work realized how lucky we were to have you on the front lines of our uh, Border Patrol as chief and, of course, and all the other uh, roles that you played in those 30 years. And thank you for so much giving us such clarity today. We, we need it at this moment. There's so many big issues in front of us, but you, uh, you gave us a healthy dose of, of honesty and clarity today. Thank you so much. Hey, appreciate your time and ask your your listeners to just share the information because if it stops with those of us right here, yep. then it just stops. It's failed. So pre- appreciate it. Okay. It's a great honor to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for all you've done. All right, folks, one more good one to go in just a few minutes. The Texas Land Commissioner, Dr. Dawn Buckingham, a woman who took matters into her own hand to make it harder to smuggle illegal aliens into Texas by seizing an island in the middle of the Rio Grande River. A great story of innovative regulatory efforts to try to protect the people of Texas, and quite frankly, the people of America. We're going to have that, Dr. Don Buckingham, in just a second. Now, before we do that, a quick shout out to all of our great advertisers here at Just the News. One of them, Factor Meals. You know, I've been trying to lose weight and get healthier and get more fit shed the pounds, shed the sugar, get more vegetables and fruit. And one of the things I discovered why I had failed for so long, why I was gaining weight, why I was becoming less healthy was I didn't have the time to cook a healthy meal. And quite frankly, I still don't have the time to cook healthy meals. You know what, though? Because of my good friends at Factor, I have ready-to-eat meals that are not only delicious, chef-approved, chef-cooked, chef-prepared, but also chosen by dietitians and doctors to be healthy for you. And by the way, I stick them in the microwave. It takes me two minutes. That's all. Two minutes to eat healthy. If you want to join the Factor Meals bandwagon that I'm on, because I love it, and you might get a keto dinner, you could have a calorie smart dinner, a vegan dinner, veggie dinner. They're all delicious. They all feel like uh, you have a five-star chef at your microwave preparing this before you pop it in. It takes two minutes, and these meals are nutrition-packed. 
That's very important. There's 55 different options for these great meals. They make eating dinner really great. So get started today. Have a feel-good week of meals. How do you do that? You're going to head over to factormeals.com. Factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals.com slash justnews50. Put the word 50 in there. You know why? Because you're going to get 50% off your first order. Plus, you're going to get two free wellness shots per box. That's a pretty good deal. So use the code justnews50 after you go to the website factormeals.com slash justnews50. Justnews50 is going to get you that money off. This is a great company. I think they're awesome. They make meals and eating healthy for me free. I'd combine this with my extraordinary field of greens, and I have been eating healthy, shedding weight, and having more energy like I've never had before. Go join in. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50, and then use the justnews50 code you're going to get 50% off your first order. That's a pretty good deal. All right, folks, we'll be back with the Texas Land Commissioner, Dr. Don Buckingham, right after these messages. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As I mentioned tonight, a historic vote, uh, the second effort by the House to approve articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, in that debate, as it's going on, ground zero of all the impact of the insecure border, of course, is the great state of Texas. And we're very lucky to be joined by right, na- right now by its land commissioner, Dr. Don Buckingham. Commissioner, good to have you on. Hey, it's great to be on with you today. We love the work you're doing. I think you have used all the resources of your office to try to 
press protect the uh, really the whole country, but particularly the citizens of Texas. One of those places, there's been a big battle over the Rio Grande. Can you bring us up to speed on what's happened with Fronton Island and just the whole Rio Grande crossing uh, crisis that's been going on? Absolutely. In fact, yesterday I got to step foot on the island for the first time and I can report that it is 100% secure. So it's only one and a half miles of our border, but you know, every little bit matters. So, and, and, and just to kind of recap why it was so important, this island before it was claimed was, was literally a law enforcement free zone for the cartels to do whatever they wanted in. American law enforcement couldn't step on it. Mexican law enforcement couldn't step on it. And it was a safe haven for the cartels to stash all kinds of weapons, all kinds of drugs and run untold numbers of people across. It's also at, at literally the most dangerous point at the border, the town right across the river in Mexico, fully automatic weapon fire every single night, warring cartels. Um, it is literally the bloodiest, most dangerous part of the border. And so that's why it was so important to take it. It's 170 acres. It's a pretty big island. And, and when, the, when they came to me with the ask, it had been an ask for a little bit, which I've found a bit baffling because it only took us a couple days to figure it out. But by treaty with Mexico from the mid-1800s, any, anything north of the center of the waterway is, of course, Texas. So we just made sure, got our surveyors out. It's one of the, one of the things that our office does. We're the map, map keepers for the state and, and made sure that it was ours. And then we claimed it. And as soon as we claimed it, the Texas Military Department, Border Patrol, Department of Public Safety started what they called Operation Flat Top. We cleared all of the vegetation off that off of that island. We we discovered major caches of weapons, explosive devices, drugs. Uh, we we cleared it. We got rid of all the caches of all the bad stuff that was on there. We put the wire all on the river facing part of it. And today there are zero people coming across from Mexico on that part of the border. Yeah. And there was an event um, uh, recently, a lot of praise, I think, across Texas for the work you did. You really stepped into the void uh, and then working with um, the Texas Department of Public Safety, uh, the attorney general, the governor, uh, all four of you working together. That's tr- this turned from a crisis into a success story in spite of the Biden administration's efforts to meddle. Uh, rewarding to know that the people of Texas understood what you were doing and felt the impact of it. It, it is really great. I, I love my job. I, I think I have the best elected office in Texas. You know, we, we fund education. We defend oil and gas. We help our veterans. We do so many fun things, but um, but it's great. And, and yes, every every Republican in Texas is doing everything we possibly can to help get our border secure. But I just have to keep reminding people until we get a change at the federal level of the policies it's, it's like cupping your hands under a sieve and trying to stop all the water. Um, despite the billions of dollars we're spending, despite passing different laws that give our local law enforcement um, the ability to detain these migrants, um, you know, despite everything, the, we haven't been able to ebb the flow significantly. And so I am just telling everybody, uh, you know, we need a Republican president and we need one now. <laughs> so. The pressure to uh, is a daily. I mean, when you look at what Texas has been through, it's it's almost unthinkable. I, I, most people have never heard the sound of automatic gunfire, and yet people in Star County have heard it regularly, right? And I think it's most Americans can't appreciate just how grave the situation has been and how 
avoidable it all was if Joe Biden hadn't changed these policies. There's a big moment today, round two, the second effort uh, for House Republicans uh, and the new Speaker Mike Johnson to uh, approve articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. How important, what message will today's vote send to the residents and citizens of Texas uh, and to really the whole country? I hope they impeach him. You know, I was asked by a by a journalist yesterday if I ever had imagined that we would be where we are with regard to our border. And I just cannot believe that we have a president and his cabinet who have completely debased from the founding principles of our country. They have uh, refused to abide by any of the rule of law. Um, I mean, they have basically put our Constitution in the trash can and, and they are sacrificing the safety, the economic viability um, and the future of our country in doing so. Yeah, it really is remarkable. And I think a lot of people step back and they say, well, uh, Joe Biden had his hands tied. There's just really no truth to that. His, he, he basically tied the hands of the CPB because you look at the 2019, 2020 period before Joe Biden got in and the, the numbers are so dramatically different. When uh, Texans hear Alejandro America say there's not really a problem or it's not my fault. It's Donald Trump's fault or Joe Biden saying this isn't my uh, crisis of my doing. How do Texans feel when they hear that from their own president, their own Homeland Security Secretary? Texans are furious at the hypocrisy. Even the Democrats in Texas, a lot of them are furious at the hypocrisy. You know, we, we had a big roundtable yesterday with property owners and a lot of the local officials from up and down the border. Of course, the vast majority of them are Democrats. And they all voiced their deep frustration with the policies. They feel like the Biden administration has abandoned their communities, hurting them economically. Um, they, this is unsustainable. They were all uh, voicing their strong opinions of, you know, we need help and we need help now. This is unsustainable. We're overrun. I like to, I like to pick on the New York mayor because it's easy and fun when that person was complaining about 100,000 migrants over, you know, a pretty decent period of time. And when I put that into comparison about, we'll just pick a town in Texas, Eagle Pass on the border. When you look at relative numbers, it would be like New York City getting two and a, over two and a half million migrants a week into their city for years. I mean, that, those are the comparable numbers. And it taxes everything. It taxes the education system. It taxes health care. It taxes... Um, just imagine if you're a county, a big county that has one ambulance and, and maybe 5,000 people in it, and you're getting tens of thousands of people across your border and they get hurt or, you know, they even just picking up the people that, um, pass away in the desert from dehydration. I mean, hundreds of bodies, uh, you know, we're starting to call it the trail of tears. These people come on the lures that of Biden policies they think um, but they're not coming into this land free. They're coming in owned by the cartels. Their their path here is, is terrible and inhumane, and they are brought in and completely marginalized, um, owned, basically enslaved. And it's not the way we want people to come into our country. We want people to come in and enjoy the economic prosperity and the promise of the future that is the United States of America. Yeah. As one uh, illegal immigrant I got to interview a couple of years ago said it was the most inhumane way I could ever imagine to travel to the United States. And she recounted what the horrible things that the cartel handlers did to her and her family along the way. And even after they got here, uh, there's got to be a, a better way for the country that made Ellis Island such an elegant 
entry point to the country to get this done. Um, you are been, I think, very vocal about two big warning signs that uh, are in the data. Obviously, the numbers are overwhelming. But then when you drill down, you see this massive growth of young military age Chinese men coming into the country. It was, you know, a couple hundred uh, in 21. It's almost 24, 25,000 in 23. Uh, and then in addition, uh, a growing number of uh, people on the terrorist watch list uh, coming across both borders, north and south. Uh, big capture over the weekend of another guy that's tied to some Afghan concerns. Uh, these are two, beyond the big numbers, they're just a staggering overflow of the border. Uh, these two really seem to stand out. Do you think most Americans understand the national security risk of these Chinese nationals and these um, uh, people tied to terrorism? I don't think they do. You know, we, we were in Dallas the other day and someone said, is it really that bad down on the border? I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you looking at what's coming across? You know, I, I just it, it, it just baffles me. And, you know, I'm, I'm a mom and I'm a physician as well as an elected official. And I look around and I'm just like, and these are the people that we we sort of know about or that we sort of catch or sort of, you know, come across our system. I mean, the untold hordes that are coming across, you know, I've heard estimates as high as 20 to 50 to one. Um, you know, the one we see that we count, there's a whole lot more people coming. And when you see a shift, absolutely. And, and, and I remind people, you don't just walk out of China. When you're a Chinese citizen, you only go with the express consent of your government. So they are planting those people here. Yeah, that is such a big education process. we got to keep telling the American public. It's frustrating sometimes, and I know you tussle with the media because it's part of your job, but it, there has been an effort uh, by uh, some of the traditional media, the legacy media, as I call them, to uh, underplay this or to try to excuse it. Uh, most people might read a story, then they go out to the community, particularly in Texas or Arizona, and say, that's story doesn't reflect my reality. Uh, is that gap growing between what reporters and legacy media report and what actually people witness on the ground? Absolutely. I am frustrated with the legacy media. Um, you know, it, it really is amazing to me, the, the lack of ethics and journalism, but it is what it is. And I really appreciate all you do because us being able to get the word out, um, I, you know, again, I'm just constantly run into people and they ask me, well, is it really that bad? Oh, is this just a political stunt? I mean, no, it is really that bad. These numbers don't lie. You're looking at the 6 million people. That's more than the individual population of over 30 states. I mean, I, I just, guys, I'm like, wake up and, and the young military age male. It is a stunning number. Yeah. It slaps you in the face when you hear it that put it that way. And that's, that's the reality. And it's, it is uh, re remarkable. I think the, what's really been impressive, particularly Texas, uh, when, whether it's Ken Paxton or the governor or you, there is a real effort to educate the public and to go into the new media uh, circles, which reach millions of Americans now, and really educate people. And now I think you see in the polling data, uh, whether it's Joe Biden corruption or the border, Americans understand, a larger number of Americans understand uh, the crisis even though the mainstream media or the legacy media have sort of tried to suppress it. So the education efforts you're doing clearly are beginning to have an impact in the, the psyche of the country. I think that's really a remarkable tribute to all the hard work of everyone in Texas who've gone out and educated people, maybe in some new avenues, but getting it done. I want to finish with uh, another topic because your office does so many things beyond land. Uh, you have an enormous commitment to our nation's veterans and you do amazing things. I just think you started just a new 
new initiative with veterans recently on telling their stories. Of course, also celebrating all the veterans that are in healthcare right now and need help. Uh, how important is this to your office and to you personally? You know, it's one of the most important things I do. Um, and, and it's really a, a labor of love. You know, I'm very clear on the fact that we are the land of the free because of the brave. Um, and so honoring our veterans, Texas is the only state that has a veteran mortgage lending program through the Veterans Land Board, which our public lands support uh, that can be combined with the federal program. So we love that. But we also take care of our veterans in our nursing homes. Um, we do one of the fun things we do. I know it's basically Valentine's Day. We're doing a Valentine's for veterans drive. We, we when our veterans turn 100, we do birthday card drives and our veterans get thousands of birthday cards from all over the world. Um, of course, we're also helping our veterans tell their stories because, you know, people, like you said, people forget. They read a story. They might be moved by something, but then they move on to their busy lives. And so our veteran stories are just phenomenal, everything they've done and everything they've been through. And we want to tell those stories and keep that history um, and, and inspire. Because, you know, I think when you when you hear their stories, you think, shoot, my I don't have it too tough. I should be a little braver and a little bolder. <laughs> yeah, know? it does it inspire gives, you, right? It does. It makes you dig it deeper. Does. Yeah. One of the fun things that I, someone shared this with me last week as, uh, as I was traveling, uh, you have this new series looking at uh, veterans who you know serve the country on the front lines of war and security, and then they continue the public service. And that's one of the amazing dynamics of veterans. They go into police, they go into uh, legislature, legislatures, they go into Congress, celebrating that continued call of service is really remarkable. You started a whole series. I think it's a weekly series, right? Showcasing people that have made an additional commitment to public service after they got out of the armed services. You know, it's it's really just great to tell everybody's story and to, to shine a light on their service because you're exactly right. They're, they don't ever stop serving. They just They just find different ways to serve. Yeah, it, it is pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, last uh, question I want to ask, and I want to go back to the border because all the sacrifices our veterans have made, all the sacrifices the citizens of Texas have made, there is a, a growing body of evidence. You see it in the Senate bill that just passed last night and in the federal expenditure databases. There is billions of dollars flowing to NGOs, to nonprofits working with the Biden administration to not only get people into the country, but then to them so it's much harder later to potentially expel them from the country. This nonprofit conglomerate, which is now worth billions of dollars of money to the nonprofits, is there any hopeful signs? Is, is there anything that Texas or you see in the federal government where there's an opportunity to shut down that flow of money to shut down what's basically a government sanctioned human trafficking operation? Ugh, get a new president. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Trump girl, I, you know, whoever anyone's supporting, but whoever our nominee is, I just, we need a new president. We need a new cabinet. We need some sanity brought back to our federal government. It really is that simple. It really is a change in leadership because there's been so much dramatically changed by Joe Biden. Uh, the stakes are, are pretty clear in this election. Commissioner, it's a great honor. All the work you've done, I think most Americans are still learning the courage it took uh, and the collaboration it took uh, to free that island in the Rio Grande and to make it a safe haven for Texas citizens from the lawless environment it was. It's a great uh, contribution, not just to Texas, but really to the whole country. Thanks for joining us today and for, for doing what you do in your job. Well, thank you so very much for helping us get the message out. I always enjoy talking with you. So thanks for all you do. Same here, Commissioner. Great honor. 
All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Thank you for joining us. A big thank you to our guest, Congressman Jim Banks, Land Commissioner Don Buckingham, former Border Patrol Chief. Rodney Scott, three big guests. We'll have you covered tonight on the Mayorkas impeachment. We'll have a new big story on the Biden family corruption in the morning. Stephen Richards and I teaming up. I'm super excited about that. In the meantime, if you want to take advantage of that 50% off, you don't get half off anything in the Biden economy today. But if you want to take advantage of that 50% off Factor Meals, go to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and then use the Just News 50 promo code to get that discount. That's a heck of a deal. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Until then, God bless you. Have a great night and be sure to check out justthenews.com. We'll have you covered all night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34-plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.